Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Overcast, a better podcast app than whatever you're using right now, unless you're using Overcast. Get Overcast for free on the App Store. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Eric Arnault, and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. What a great way to kick off 2018. This episode comes from our sixth birthday party on the main stage at the Beat Kitchen a couple weeks ago. The theme is Annual Six. And to celebrate, we invited back a bunch of favorite storytellers as chosen in our year-end voting back in November. As such, this episode is stacked with heavy hitters who brought some incredible new pieces to share, including Ashley Keenan, Chels Harvey, Savannah Million, and Logan Dean. Additionally, you'll get music from myself, Dwight Hassler, Katie Johnston-Smith, and special guest drummer, Jeff Leroux, which if you were adding, that means we've got a full band playing some of our favorite songs of 2017. So next week, I'll have details on our upcoming live shows, but since today's a holiday, I thought I'd keep it brief with the intro and the promo. Uh, I just hope you all had a safe and happy end to 2017. I know for many it was a difficult year, but uh, my hope is that you found at least a little brightness to carry you into the next. So we'll see you next week with part two of our annual celebration. For now, enjoy some sweet rock and roll and, of course, some stories. What's up, everybody? Thanks for coming.
been here before. We're playing some of our favorite songs of 2017. That was Highway Queen by Nikki Lane. Uh, this is my pick. This is a song by Mr. Dan Auerbach. And uh, I really like it. George Harrison a little bit, doesn't it? I feel like that's what Dan Auerbach was channeling. Anyway, hey, welcome to the Nerdlogs Presents Your Stories Annual Six. Six years. Uh, six years ago, almost exactly, we were huddled in the freezing cold room above Fizz Bar on uh, Lincoln Avenue. They didn't turn the heat on for us, so we had to put our coats on. The floor was our bass drum because we didn't have uh, real instruments. Oh, yeah, we have a full band tonight. That's Jeff LaRoe helping us out on drums. Uh, it's pretty cool. So, and now we're at the bee kitchen. So, uh, guys, dreams do come true. <laughs> For, you know, in some ways. Um, 
No, this is so awesome. So we're going to have eight amazing storytellers that uh, our listeners and fans and friends and other speakers helped pick tonight uh, from the previous 12 months of podcasts. Coming up first to the stage, uh, who do I... Oh, yeah, okay. I have to remember the running order. So this, this woman runs a couple shows around Chicago in addition to being a really talented improviser. You can see her uh, at host uh, Strange Hour and also this really cool show called Bring Your Own Diary at the Playground where people read entries from their diaries and then improvisers make up sets based on those entries. It's really great. Please welcome to the stage Ashley Keenan. Ashley Keenan! The car was hot. Cheap leather seats clung to the backs of my thighs like Velcro. Every 20 minutes or so, I lifted my butt cheeks one at a time with a satisfying, albeit painful, thwack as the material peeled from the backs of my thighs. In those days, we always waited in the car, me, my brother, and sister. It was summertime in Florida before we'd be shipped back north to be with our dad. I knew it was going to be a terrible day. Aunt Ruth was babysitting. Inside the Krispy Kreme, I could see a plume of box-red hair stretched out like an exclamation point above my Aunt Ruth's head. She stood in her Sunday, in her best Sunday dress, electric blue with full back shoulders, leaning in toward the manager with that Colgate smile. Mr. Manager really liked Aunt Ruth. He puts his bear claw hand on her shoulder and nods for a strangely long time. Plumes of sugary street aromas lace through the air and my stomach begins to rumble. Aunt Ruth was pretty frugal about feeding us, and by frugal, I mean she didn't. The doors of her jalopy are child-locked, and we're basically going to die in here. I slump against my sister in the back seat, falling deeply, slowly into a heat-induced coma. Then suddenly the doors swing open, and Aunt Ruth emerges with boxes and boxes of freshly glazed donuts. The car erupts with cheers, there's a round of high fives, and I blurt out, See? I told you they're for us! <laughs> On his throne in the front seat, Dalen smirks and says, Yeah, we'll see. But I can, like, totally tell he wants to believe. <laughs> then a troubling development. On her path to, her, to redemption, those tender sweet steps to the car, she swivels her hips straight past the driver's seat, beyond the back seat, and begins shimmying the lock of the trunk with her bum key. We peel up from our seats, view blocked by the lid of the trunk. We hear the hood slam, and she piles back into the car. Untrained, un- untrained, unhousebroken as we are, my sister and I launch into an instant chorus. Can we have a donut, please? Can we have a donut, please? Dalen rolls his eyes. He knows we've blown it. But, but we've got momentum now, and scavengers that we are, the song turns into a howl, a plea, compliments and proclamations are made. In a heartbeat, I drafted an ode to Aunt Ruthie, which is really an ode to Krispy Kreme, but hey, who doesn't mind a little creative embellishment? <laughs> Those Colgate flashers were bright and kind in the parking lot, fencing in her words until we bumped out of the driveway, rounded the curve, and she screamed, Enough! You'll get nothing without working for it. You've got to learn to earn a living. <laughs> Dalen, Dalen is stone-faced He's too dumb to know that this is Armageddon All voices must be on high alert Howls become whimpers, smiles turn to tears I am five years old, sunny blonde hair And scrawny for my age Baby-like cuteness isn't impossible But it's a gamble to be sure I nod, I make a nod at my older sister And she gives me the go-ahead We're swerving down Normandy Boulevard A lecture is imminent there's nothing to lose. I eject my lower lip in a full-on kamikaze mission. Brown eyes engaged to the Category 5 puppy dog. 
<laughs> I look pleadingly into the rearview mirror, and the car comes to a quick halt. In a last-minute coup, Tanya shifts her gaze outside. She's got mature on me, latched onto Dalen and the play at Safer's. I'm alone now. I was saying, before you chose to throw a fit, that you'll each have a chance to earn a donut if you cooperate today. <laughs> yeah, I'll be good, I scream, like an untamed donkey. <laughs> well, that's a start, she replies. Sweet baby girl, today we're going to do a fundraiser for my gospel album, okay? Now, um, what I need for you to do is go knocking door to door and sell these donuts. Red-cheeked at the thought of door-to-door charity, Dale and Pipes in. I really don't want any donuts, so can I just wait in the car? Gosh, 13 is... 13-year-olds have so much dignity, such poise. My eyes start to tan. Add the one, subtract the zero. I watch her speckled green eyes calculating the value of her time per shiny glazed donut. She's good with her words and respectably cute for a nine-year-old, although her looks are shifting from rosy-cheeked cuteness to full-on beauty. Beautiful kids are a tough sell. Adults want the whole production of baby hairs and innocence. Before Day can catch an answer, Tan swoops in with her throat. Tan swoops in for the throat. What, what should we say? How do you want us to sell these things, she inquires. An arm is thrown over the back passenger seat. Aunt Ruth throttles her weight around to the rear of the car. I'll have you both know. I'll have you both know, she says, that you don't have to do any of the talking. She looks over at me. You guys know Ashley's sick, right? Yeah, obviously, Tanya blurts out. We all know she has a terrible heart condition, and she reaches over and pokes me in the chest. Dale hisses at her to shut up and tosses his right hand around her back to hit her back knee. Okay, enough, Aunt Ruthie screams. It matters that she's sick because the Lord blessed her with a heart condition. Only he knows why she needed this disease. Now today, we're going to let the Lord speak through us. Ashley, you're going to do the speaking. I want you to put on those, I want you to use, put those big brown eyes to work. You hear me? I nod my head, yes, in complete confusion. Dale and Tanya, you're going to stand behind Ashley and get the money. Make sure she tells them all about her condition and surgeries and everything. Dale's fingers are beating against the seat and he's shaking his head no. Aunt Ruth goes on. Each box has to go for $10, nothing less. Once you sell all the boxes, you can go home and you can each have one donut, Okay. Add the one, subtract the zero, smuff, smoke pops out of my ears. I'm completely lost. Wait, wait, Aunt Ruthie, didn't you say we were raising money for your gospel album? Isn't it lying to tell them about my heart? Absolutely not, she bleats. You're an instrument of God. You should be telling people what they need to know for this mission. Once I have my album released, thousands of people will sing the gospel and praise him, all thanks to you. You want to be a soldier in the Lord's army, don't you? I looked at Dave for an answer, but he was already planning an escape. Before I could answer, the car rambled into the drive of Crystal Springs Estates. Aunt Ruth wrenched us to a stop. The trunk popped open. Okay, so you're going to start on the left side and work your way down. Indignant, Tanya cried, wait, you're not coming with us? And Aunt Ruth guffawed, who's going to stay in the car then? For Christ's sake, get out before the donuts start to melt. We lumbered up to the first door, boxes in hand. Dalen stops me in hand just before I hit the doorbell. You know this is wrong, right, guys? I swear, if I can figure out a way, I'll get us home. This isn't right. Tanya nodded along solemnly. Dalen, it can't be wrong if it's what God told us to do. I bounce around and smack the doorbell. A pudgy woman with cotton ball hair answers the door with a skeptical glare. She locks eyes with me, eyes sinking into my tissue paper face. 
Hello, ma'am. My name is Ashley. I have a heart condition that requires surgery to fix. Would you like to buy some donuts to help fix my heart? My chest is on fire. Dale and Tanya stand sweaty palm behind me. The lady presses her hand against the wall, calculating the likelihood of a scam. Then, as if, give, as if gifted with a message from an angel, Tanya says, she's on experimental medication right now, and the pastor says we have to pray on her life. Oh, dear, the lady says, eyebrows somersaulting with this new deluge of information. Let me get my checkbook. She sighs and marches into her kitchen. I swivel back and look at Tanya, tears parting seas down my cheeks. Did, did they really say I'm dying? <laughs> I don't know, she shrugged, but that's one less box of donuts. Dalen traded a sweaty box of donuts for her crisp, clean check. We fumbled down the driveway, rows and rows of houses nailed against the street before us. The sun hammered our shoulders as we trudged on, pounding doors and discovering the splendor of deceit. Thank you. Ashley Keenan, everybody. Thank you, Ashley. Great mic technique. Uh, I, I probably should have told you all that the cover charge you paid at the door is going to fund my gospel album. So uh, I'm gonna uh, gonna bring uh, bring Christianity back to Eternia. Make sure he managed to write all the real meaning of Christmas. Coming next to the stage, uh, this person is a, a new voice to your stories this year. Uh, they came, I think, first for our Tom Hanks show and told an incredible piece. Well, I don't, I don't want to say anything about the content of the pieces because I'm sure that's something they'll get into up on stage. But uh, they also host a great podcast called Sell Me a Pup, where they describe a fictional piece of popular culture as though it is real. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's really, really great. Please welcome Charles Harvey. Yeah! Okay, so um, I, every time I've done this show or told a story, am I doing the mic right? Yes. <laughs> Great. Um, I have talked about family trauma, uh, mental health disorders. So today I decided I was going to talk about something a little lighter because um, it's that time of year. Wow, I can't see any of you. Um, when, <laughs> when you start to meet up with your family, um, tell big stories about like, hey, remember that time when Austin flushed a baseball down the toilet? Or um, when your sister threw a piece of cheese on the roof and we never found it. Um, you guys have those stories, I'm sure. Um, so equally important, I would like to tell the story of the first time that I fell in love. Um, so <laughs> um, just wait. Um, it was uh, January, end of January. Uh, Athens, Georgia, uh, town of REM, B-52s. Um, it was starting to get a little icy in the town. Uh, there had been something called snowpocalypse for the first time, which was this experience where about a centimeter of snow fell upon the town. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> it's called snowpocalypse. They did it on the news. Um, so... Um, I was working as a server at a hotel. Um, I was really depressed. I was in college. These are all the perfect like um, opportunities for love to flourish, right? Um, and one night, I was um, pretty like frustrated at the hotel, um, and I started thinking about my life and how depressed I was. And I was like, you know what is going to fix everything? I am going to get a dog. 
And so I got on Facebook because the first thing you do when you make big life decisions is you crowdfund them or you crowdsource them. So I got on Facebook and I was like, oh, I'm so poor, but I really want a dog. Um, does anyone think this is a bad idea? I'm in college. And um, all of my friends and my friends' moms and my friends' aunts um, all commented. I mean, there were like 80 comments that were like, don't get a dog. Like, they're going to chew up everything. You're going to have to train them. You're in college. Like, you're in college. Um, you sometimes tell us that you just eat ramen for like four days in a row. You're in college. Um, please don't get a dog. Uh, you're going to abuse them. So I was like, cool. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so I continued to be depressed for a couple more days and then I went back into work and, um, it was like, uh, around January. So it was like all these graduation parties and, um, people coming in with their families, uh, celebrating their graduation from either like law school or college. But so this particular night, there were a lot of large groups and they were all super rich and they're all like wearing furs and like diamonds and stuff. Um, and here I am like, again, super poor, <laughs> um, just kind of like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> like buy a $50 entree. I'll just be here like chilling, unable to pay for food. Um, so this one woman came in with a group of people and, um, <clears throat> we know the dog, was, or I'm sorry, the hotel was dog friendly. There's a little spoiler. Um, and there was a dog at this woman's uh, feet. And so I walked over to the group and I was like, hey guys, um, the hotel is dog friendly. Unfortunately, a restaurant is not dog friendly. Um, so you're gonna have to take that dog back to your room. And the woman looked at me, looked at the dog at her feet, looked back at me and said, um, that thing, uh, that's not a dog, that's a rat and it's not mine. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, Ooh, okay, um, cool. So I scooped up the dog, went around to the rest of the hotel and was like, hey, is this your dog? Is this your dog? Is this your dog? Everybody was like, no, absolutely not. That's a rat. Which, um, I don't know. It was kind of weird. It's a chihuahua, just so you know. Like, see the picture. A chihuahua terrier. Um, real sweet. Like, let me, let me hold her. Like, real chill. Um, so I took her into... Um, <laughs> I took her into the back because I was like, well, I'll just have her in the bathroom while I'm, um, like the private staff bathroom, not like the uh, hotel bathroom. That would be crazy. Um, while I'm finishing my shift. And um, so I finished my shift up. I've asked pretty much everyone if they're missing a dog. And I decided that I'm going to have to take the dog home um, to figure out what I'm going to do tomorrow, uh, whether I'm going to take the dog um, to get checked for a chip at the vet um, or to get adopted somewhere else. Um, but it was weird because when I went to go get the dog, um, in my, in my little Facebook uh, status, my post, I was like, if I get a dog, I really want to name it Doodle. Like, I'm not really sure why. Um, it was just like a weird nickname that my friends had come up with, some like really stupid inside joke from college. And I was like, I want to name the dog after me because men do that for their children all the time. Um, <laughs> so, so I want to do that now. Um, so I, um, I took the dog home and started calling her Doodle. And she slept in my bed. Very stupid decision. Don't ever let a dog you don't know sleep in your bed. They might have, like, a disorder. Um, or, or, or fleas, um, which she didn't have. So um, a couple days go by. Uh, I decide that I'm... I took her to the vet. She didn't have a microchip. I decide that I'm going to get her, like, a, a name tag and a collar just in case... I mean, I don't want to lose her. What if I lose her? And then it's my fault, and she's off somewhere with some other irresponsible college student who also can't afford a dog. Um, so... So I, you know, put a name tag on her and a collar, and I bought food, and I bought a bed, and I bought a little dish for her to um, put her food in, but I didn't have to buy a water bowl, because she's so small that I bought a little teacup and put water in it. Um, and at this point, all of my friends were like, hey, you have a dog. <laughs> like, I don't know if you're aware, but, like, this is your dog now. Um, and so it's funny, because I, I wanted a dog so badly, and then um, everyone told me it was a horrible idea, and then this dog walked into my life, and um, it was was on like a like a sort of icy night really like calm and quiet and kind of like post-Christmassy but like this perfect romantic night 
and I met this little dog who lives with me now. Um, her name is Doodle, and um, <laughs> I've had her for almost four years. Um, she's like my ride or die. Um, she threw up on my mom once, which seriously, she's like the best thing in my life. Um, <laughs> so um, <laughs> I don't talk to my mom anymore, but I do talk to my dog. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so uh, pets are great. Adoption is wonderful. You can rescue a dog. It's the most amazing experience that you'll ever have. You have like a, it's almost like a child um, connection, um, but they, well, actually, I guess children puke on your mom too. So I was just going to say that um, it's the perfect time of year to consider an animal. Um, Paws is a great place to go. The Anti-Cruelty Society is a great place to go. Um, Animals are wonderful. And thank you guys so much for having me. I hope you guys have a wonderful night. Chels Harvey, everybody. Let's give it up for Chels, for pets, dogs especially, and for jumpsuits. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Fucking great. Yeah, my dog was also a found dog, and she is, uh, yeah, I don't talk to my dad, but I do talk to my dog, so I feel feel that really hard. Uh, Hell yeah. All right, coming up next. This performer, uh, she also hosts her own podcast on the network Post Loudness. Her show is called Roboism, and it's a show about uh, robots and tech and uh, kind of LGBT issues, but mostly robots. And uh, robots are pretty awesome. So, and so is the speaker. Let's get up for Savannah Million. Hi, I'm Savannah. Um, I don't like talking in front of groups of people, so I like to start by telling you all that I'm nervous and that you're going to be very nice to me. So thank you in advance for your kindness. <laughs> so uh, the theme for tonight is annual, which is really appropriate for this time of year because as the year comes to an end, I find myself unable to think about anything other than reflecting back on the year. And it seems like a lot of people had a bad year. And personally, I feel like my 2017 was worse than your 2017, but who's to say? Um, the last time I did a year story, I think similar to Chelsea, um, it was earlier in this year and was kind of a bummer, and because uh, it would be really, really easy to make this one a bummer too, but I wanted to do something a little bit more upbeat. Um, so instead, I have for you an escape primer, 10 steps for planning a solo trip abroad for the holidays. Step number one, embrace your inner Grinch. If there is no tiny part of you that hates the holidays, then congratulations. This talk is not for you. Also, you're weird because there's a lot to hate about the holidays. They are stressful, cold, and full of obligations, and you always have to buy presents for somebody who's difficult to buy presents for and attend events you don't want to go to, like office holiday parties, and you have to put stuff in the mail. And everywhere is playing Christmas music, and not all Christmas music is good. It's a rough time of year, so the first thing you're going to do is say, fuck it, I don't just hate parts of the holidays, I hate all of the holidays, and this year I will opt out. Step number two, plan a two-week solo trip to Costa Rica. It's the best time of the year to visit Costa Rica, weather-wise. It's one of the more affordable Central American countries, and best of all, it's the complete opposite of Christmas. It's one of, uh, oh wait, sorry. The average temperature is about 22 degrees Celsius, which is about 70 degrees Fahrenheit, and the tiny country is home to about 5% of the world's biodiversity. There's volcanoes, cloud forests, dense jungles, tropical rainforests, beaches, hot springs, full of distractions from the holidays to keep you entertained so you stop thinking about how lonely you are. Step number three, panic. (laughs) 
You've never traveled abroad solo before. This is uncharted territory. What happens if all of your stuff gets stolen? What do you do if your passport falls into the ocean? What if embarking on an eat, pray, love style adventure of self-discovery, all you discover is that being alone with only yourself for company for two weeks just makes you hate yourself even more? Remember that anxiety is born out of the unknown, so quell the anxiety by knowing as much as you possibly can. This brings us to step four. Make a spreadsheet. make a couple spreadsheets. One for all the places you're staying, their addresses and phone numbers, one for all the tours you sign up for, one for all of the stuff you need to pack, one with all the books you should load onto your Kindle. Also, make a spreadsheet with all of your receipts for everything you've booked and link those records back to your tour activity spreadsheet and also the lodging spreadsheet. And research all four of the places you're visiting, where the best food is within walking distance of where you're staying, and make a Google map a Google map where you mark all of the locations and note the best dish to order while you're there and approximate price per dish so you can budget how much cash you'll need on hand on a daily basis. Speaking of cash, call your bank to make sure your debit card will work at Costa Rican ATMs. Learn that Visa cards are accepted at three different banks, so add your maps to the closest ATMs from each of those banks to all of your hostels, hotels, and activities. <laughs> Step six. Tell your friends and relatives that you're going to Costa Rica for the holidays. You can be straightforward with your friends about this, but when you break the news to your relatives, casually leave out the solo part. Um, it's not a lie, you're just omitting impertinent information. Initially, they'll be supportive and excited for you. Awesome. So when the trip is about a month out, your relatives will finally inquire, what group of friends are you going with? When you clarify that it's a solo trip, remain calm in the face of their shocked and terrified reactions. Agree to send them your itinerary. When their panic becomes contagious, take a deep breath and think of your spreadsheet. <laughs> Step number seven. Buy the wire cutter recommended best snorkeling set for traveling. Step number eight. The wire cutter recommended best snorkeling set for traveling does not fit in your duffel bag. Buy a new duffel bag. Step number nine. Buy a travel-sized clothes drying line on Amazon. Test the integrity of your new purchase by drying one laundry load's worth of underwear with it strung across the bathroom. Have just enough end-of-the-year responsibilities on your plate that you forget to take down your new underwear garland for an embarrassing amount of time. Forget that it's there. Invite a friend over. <laughs> this is the closest you will get to decorating for Christmas in 2017. <laughs> Step number 10. Jokingly invite your friend to join you for New Year's. She will say yes. Rejoice, as you've spent the last three months hyping yourself up to the idea of being alone with only yourself for company. No longer will you have to fabricate stories about how you're on your way to meet your imaginary friend so as not to alert to the strangers you meet that you're traveling alone in a foreign country and it will be at least two weeks until anyone noticed you've disappeared. Face it, you're a terrible liar, and now your friend is real and you can be way more convincing with the truth. Also, your relatives will be much less freaked out and are less likely to panic if you don't reply to their inevitable daily WhatsApp messages. I would love to give you more tips and advice on escaping for the holidays, but as you might have guessed, I haven't actually done it yet. I'm leaving on Friday, and I'm very excited. <laughs> so, thank you. I will leave you with one holiday wish. Uh, I hope your holiday season is the good kind of stressful, uh, the type that culminates in a sense of warmth and belonging, and I hope that you get everything that you need. Um, what I need is to drink out of a coconut with a straw, and that is exactly what I'm going to do. Thank you. Savannah Million, everybody. I guess I, guess I won't see you at the office holiday party then. Uh, Wow, that was great. It's so funny, either on stage or to me, many of the storytellers tonight were like, you know, I'm here because of a sad story, so I'm going to try to course correct and do something a little 
brighter tonight. This next guy is here because he wrote a fan fiction about Orson Welles going on world hopping adventures while being very overweight. So I, I assume this next piece is going to be a, a real downer. Please welcome friend of the show, incredible storyteller, Logan Dean. Um, what a year, huh? I, Chels is right, I can't see any of you. It's kind of terrifying. Um, so, it was a pretty rough year for everybody, but I think the worst thing, and we can all agree, that happened this year was Chuck E. Cheese decided to discontinue their in-house band. <laughs> Munch's make-believe band. Um, so, uh, instead of uh, telling another personal story that, uh, you know, about me, this is a condensed timeline of the history of Munch's Make Believe Band, previously the Rock of Fire Explosion, previously the Pizza Players. In 1976, Atari was sold to Warner and on an elevator pitch that they could make a restaurant full of video games, and franchise it out. Pizza was there, too. Uh, Nolan Bushnell was the co-creator of Atari, and he ran with this concept and made what was the first Chuck E. Cheese in 1976 in San Jose, California. There wasn't a band then. It was just um, heads of animals in um, frames that talked to each other. Which sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> Not like a night gallery episode at all. Uh, in 1977, it opened and it had the characters, but in 1979, an investor and hotelier, Robert Brock, decided to buy 200 franchises and move them across 16 cities. Then he met a man named Aaron Fetcher. At Fetcher. Fetcher. Yeah, that's, that's his name. That's what I wrote down. Um, <laughs> this guy had made an entire animatronic band of wolves that he was touring around the country. <laughs> It's very scary. There's videos of another one. Um, it's called the Wolfpack Five, if you want to check it out. Um, uh, so he took Fetcher and then ditched out on his deal with uh, Bushnell and decided to make his own company called Showbiz Pizza. So Showbiz Pizza opens, and they have a full animatronic band. First place ever, I think, probably, to have a full animatronic band, and it's called the Rocket Fire Explosion. Um, and then that, that restaurant opens in 1980 and the robot pizza wars begin <laughs> uh, for, two, for two years these two restaurants had an intense legal battle in which they claimed the other one stole their idea in, 1970, or in 1982 Showbiz Pizza loses its, its legal battle against Chuck E. Cheese and is forced to pay them 50 million dollars over like 14 years uh, but then in 1984 the uh, video game industry collapses, and uh, Bushnell is forced to sell Chuck E. Cheese, at which point Showbiz Pizza buys the shit out of it. <laughs> um, over the course of the next few years, they uh, try to brand merge, and uh, the creator of the Rockfire Explosion, uh, Aaron Fetcher, uh, takes the characters of the Rockfire Explosion for himself. So they have to brand merge. There's a video that I've watched three times now because I can't unsee the things in it in which they tell the employees how to rebrand 
the animatronics. And the first thing you have to do is rip their skin off of their faces. <laughs> they show you how to do this with every single one. It's an hour-long video. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and so they change rapid fire explosion to what becomes Munch's make believe band, led by Munch, the purple uh, grimace bastardization that plays the, the piano. Um, and has the rat guy with the hat, Chuck E. Cheese, and like a human Italian chef. <laughs> and like a sentient video camera. Like, it's really weird. But it's also incredible, you guys. Like, these are, these are animatronics. They're robots run by air, like pneumatic tubes that make them move around. They're programmed off of Apple II computers to this day. Uh, so this year uh, after 40 years uh, in service uh, Chuck E. Cheese has decided to get rid of the band Um, they'll forever live in my nightmares uh, and landfills I assume (laughs) there's a documentary uh, about the uh, rocket fire explosion aptly called rocket fire explosion Um, it's on YouTube because there's a group of people who grew up in the mid-80s, early 90s that grew up with the rocket fire explosion and when they returned to find they had changed all the characters promptly lost their shit and spent their adult lives creating those characters in their garages and basements and it is fascinating and frightening and the depths to which people's collective brains go is unending and I admire them with my entire heart. <laughs> Have a great New Year. Logan. Logan Dean, everybody, dropping some knowledge. I know that you said at the start of your story that this year they were discontinued, but after hearing their whole history, I got sad when you circled back to that part. I'm like, no, they were skinned alive. I told you guys it was going to be a rough one. There was skinning animatronic animals in there. Fuck. So, this next song is Jeff's pick, and uh, I just want to give you, in case there's any music nerds out there, I want to tell you a little bit about what's happening with my guitar. So first I tuned it to drop C sharp, so you know it's like a fucking metal song, but then we decided to play it in drop B, so I capoed it. So do the math on that, so it's minus three half steps plus one half step. So I'm sure that's very fascinating to all of you, but now you're all in your seat. This is by a band called Propagandi. This song is called Victory Lab. Watch Jeff on this one.
This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.